Encouragement, Psalm 34. How words change lives. I've read these verses a few times, but I want us to finish our study here with these verses, Psalm 34, 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When you read the word discouraged in the Bible, you often have that connotation of something that has been crushed. And I think many of us have been there, probably all of us at some point. Why do we need encouragement? Because life sometimes leaves us like this, doesn't it? Right? What is encouragement? God's word changes me. Through me, it can change others too. God has, God has um, commanded us as Christians to be agents of help and change in each other's lives. So, how do we encourage? We encourage with gospel words, with wise words, with praying words. And uh, so that brings us to where we all are today. Words and actions. How do those two things fit together? I think this is almost um, self-explanatory, but why are actions that fit with our words important? Are they important? I think we all can agree that they are. Let's read some verses and uh, think through this together. Would somebody take Zechariah 8, 16 and 17? Tim will take that. Somebody take John 10, 37 and 38. Randy, thank you. Let's start with those two. Why are actions that fit with our words important? We'll test Tim's Bible turning skill here to Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Okay, so what does that list start with, Tim? What's the first thing in that list? Speaking truth. Speaking the truth to one another. But then that list continues to lots of ways that we behave. So God cares both about what we say and that it lines up with what we do. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in John 10, 37 and 38. If I do not do the works of my Father... Do not believe me, but if I do do them, though you do not believe me, um, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Okay, so what did Jesus say? I've told you who I am, but what will prove it? What I do, right? So, so the, the um, lining up of words and actions is something that God expects of us, but it's something because it's inherent in who he is. Right? Do, do you ever feel like your words don't line up with your actions? We all get there, don't we? And I feel this profoundly with my son. And I'm like, why does he do that? And then I go, because I do it. Right? And so I'm trying to teach him to be kind. I'm not always kind. I'm trying to teach him to be patient, and I'm almost never patient. Um, I'm trying to teach him to love others, and I don't always. But, but what, what is God like? He's always like that. He's faithful. He's consistent. And it's something that, as we know him, he intends to build in us. So it's inherent to who God is, but, but let's go a little bit deeper. Why does it matter that our words and actions fit together? Would somebody take 1 Peter 2.12? Paul, that'd be great. Titus 2, verse 10. Paul and Paul. Great, Paul. Other Paul. Paul here, Paul there. And then Romans 2, verse 24. Gideon, you want to take that one? So, so these three verses are talking about two sides of the same coin, about words and actions 
um, what it looks like when they fit together and what it looks like when they don't. Okay, so let's start with the positive side, 1 Peter 2.12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, so as people are watching you, they won't be able to get beyond what your actions are saying. Okay, listen to Titus 2, verse 10. Not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Okay, can you read that last phrase again? So that in? So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Okay, so Paul is saying that when Titus does what's right, it's going to adorn the gospel. That's not really a word we use that much, but what does that mean? Would anybody know what the word adorn means? Yeah. It's going to put clothes on. It's going to decorate, right? Were the stones intentional today? Or did... Sure. I thought when you were talking about the stones would speak, I thought we might have intentional stones today, right? This, this picture reminds us that it's Easter week. And in connection with the stones that Danny talked about today, that there's a stone that has been rolled away, right? And so they, so they decorate, in a way, what's happening this week. And we do that for special occasions, don't we? We decorate, we dress up, right? Everybody next week for Easter, um, assuming you remember, we'll probably dress up to some degree because it's, it's one of those occasions. But, but what the Bible's saying is that our behavior as Christians actually... Uh, decorates, puts clothes on the gospel, the truth. And people go, hey, I've seen that lived out. Isn't that neat? Right? When you see a Christian walking with God and their actions match the truth. Now, we don't ever do that perfectly, right? The, the clothes that we put on the gospel always have some spots or some wrinkles. But, but they serve a purpose. What's the flip side if your speech or your words don't match the truth? Romans 2, 24. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Okay, so Romans 2 is all about people who said that they were following God, but their lives were not matching. And what, what does Romans say happens then? People blaspheme God because they know you. Does that happen? Yeah. So our words and actions fitting together matters Somebody take 1 Corinthians 9, 27. This one's actually sobering. Sobering to me as a pastor. Should be sobering to all of us, knowing that it's coming from Paul himself. Yes! Thank you, Nicole. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself shall be disqualified. Okay, so Paul is saying there's a danger. What's the danger, Nicole, from what you just read? Paul's saying, I'm careful about how I live, and I discipline myself. Because of what? What's the danger? What could happen? Being disqualified. Yeah, that even though I've preached the truth to lots of other people, I could disqualify myself. I could make shipwreck of my life. Right? So our words and actions fitting together does matter. But let me ask you something. There's a couple um, phrases that we tend to say, and I, I wonder if we could think about them a little more with this idea of encouragement. Do actions really speak louder than words? Sometimes. Can you, can you give me an example where actions, where we feel like actions speak louder than words? If somebody has a What does the Bible say we can, we can do in that situation? What can we say to that person in an empty way? Jonathan? 
Yeah, hope you feel better. Boy, that sounds bad. Sometimes what do we say um, that we mean well, but we say it in those situations? I'll be praying for you. Now, is it bad to pray for someone? We've talked about that. No, we ought to. But if we have the resources to help, what does God tell us we ought to do? We ought to help, right? So then our words are empty in a way. But what's the danger of that statement to say actions speak louder than words? It minimizes the value of words and the importance of words. We've talked about in the course of the series on encouragement that the most powerful force in the universe is the word of God. It, it's actually what God uses to save souls and to create the world. So we need to be careful not to minimize the importance of our words. And, and I think the second one um, kind of says the same thing. is talk really cheap. It can be, right? Yeah. And Christian shared with us that example. That's a very, a, an example straight from God's word. It can be cheap. But is talk actually cheap? It's not. It can have great value and great impact. And so our words and actions should connect up together. I don't know how many of you have ridden UTA. Um, my first experience riding UTA was really pretty amazing. Um, I, we had just moved to Salt Lake City and... Um, we decided we are going to go to a football game with the Inafukus. And so I found out through my research that if you have a ticket to go watch uh, the, U- the Utes play, that you can ride UTA for free. So I thought, wow, that's, that's something. I'm in a city and you can ride public transportation for free. That seems incredible. So uh, we met them at their house. We went over to the track station or the UTA station and got ready to go on. And I'm standing there at the station um, thinking, who do I show this voucher to? so I can get on UTA for free. Like, because I'm sure they're going to have to open the gate so that I can get through and then get on the... And what happened? You just get on. It's UTA. Just get on. So there were all these other Ute fans. They were like, just get on the train. I'm like, well, who checks your ticket? I printed out my tickets. I came prepared. And they were like, you just get on UTA. Okay, this is weird. I'm riding UTA for free every day. No. That's the other cities I've been a part of. Um, but sometimes if we're not careful as Christians, we can have a mindset like a UTA rider, right? That when we come to church or when we come together with one another, um, we're going we're gonna to be part of the event that happens. We're going to enjoy the transportation. We're going to listen to the instructions of the driver, right? But we hope that it's relatively um, impersonal, safe, and we get to go our way. We can feel that way, can't we? I mean, I'll be honest, I'm kind of an introvert, and when I ride public transportation, I'm really not looking for conversations. I'll, I'll even tell you I'm not real great on planes. I'm genuinely looking for a good nap. Because once it starts moving, I start sleeping. Right? But, but the goal as God's children together is not just to have a safe and quiet and uninterrupted ride. It, it's to take the opportunity to encourage one another and to speak to each other. So a few closing thoughts. As you get started in encouraging one another, some of you, this is frightening because you're very shy, if you're honest. And so speaking to someone is very intimidating, or you get very overwhelmed. So even in a group like this, you're like, I don't know everybody. This group is intimidating. Start with somebody. God hasn't asked most of you 
to get up and preach on a Sunday. And, and some of you are very, very thankful for that. But the person that you're sitting next to, whether that's your spouse, or if you're like, you know, the Adams and the Gaddises, you shared a four-seat row today between the two couples, right? Just start. J- just ask. Just have a little conversation. Just find out what's going on. Put your antenna up. Maybe the best way for you to be an encourager is just to meet someone one-on-one during the week. Just say, hey, you want to grab a coffee? And find out what's going on in their life. Now, you don't have to have a hugely in-depth conversation, but just connect with someone. And, even better, do something around God's Word. So you know what would be great? Maybe next week when we get coffee, we'll just read a psalm together and pray. It's a little bit like family devotions. How many of you have family devotions in your home? They're kind of an imperfect mess sometimes, aren't they? Right, like there's no perfect curriculum. There's no perfect script. But but you just you just do it. You find something that works or something you read. And sometimes it ends in kids fighting and going to bed and sometimes but you just you just step into it. So one-on-one is a great way. Well, my church is too big. I don't know if any of you feel that way about Gospel Hope yet. Um, I know we've had conversations with some of you, and you've felt that way other places that you've been. You know, big churches are just churches with more opportunities and more needs. Right? You say, well, I'm opposed to a big church. There are good things and bad things. The church in Jerusalem started with thousands of people. They had to get organized and figure it out and... But don't let that stop you from being an encourager. It's interesting. The Old Testament has a ton to say about dad's responsibility and encouragement in speaking the truth through the word. You say, well, my wife is just better at that than me. No. I mean, she may be. But it's your responsibility to lead in your home and start that conversation. Now, you can start it, and she can take it from there if she wants. But you have that obligation as dads to be the one at the point of your family encouraging. How do grief and trauma and depression and suffering connect with our encouragement? Okay, just be present in that, in that moment. They're times of real opportunity, aren't they? To be an encourager. Now, sometimes what's the best thing you can do in that moment that will be the most encouraging? Listen, be silent. But those are times that God opens doors um, and, and I would just encourage you, don't be afraid. So, some of you are very intuitive. God has, God has given you perception. And even in this room today, you, you go by people and you go, something is not right with them. You ever feel that? That, that ought to send alarm bells off in your head for an opportunity to encourage. Don't run away from that. I mean, you would be shocked at how a simple, how are you doing? No, really, like I was asking. How are you doing? Well, it's been a hard week. Hmm. Can, can you share what's, what's been hard? Step into it. They'll probably share as much or as little as they want to, depending on your relationship and depending on how they're feeling at that moment. But don't be afraid of that. Those are opportunities. 
It's important to be willing to speak hard words. Proverbs tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the flattery of an enemy is deceitful. Sometimes it's just that moment of speaking. I mean, I, I, even, I even feel those moments in preaching. Do you ever feel those moments in preaching? Uh, Danny had one of those moments this morning where he said, um, some of your hearts and lives are too filled with, um, and you referenced, uh, I think you referenced Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani and then you, two TV shows. And, and, and in that moment, right, that's just kind of a zing in a good way to our hearts. And some of you are like, oh yeah, I don't care about those things, but something else rang in your heart, didn't it? Right? God's put us together. This is one of the beauties of community groups, by the way. Over time, you get to know people better, and then, and then it's, it's more appropriate, more natural, than to step into one of those scary places and have that conversation. You know, we've been, we've been in community group now for six months, and it's been great to get to know you. I, I just noticed this thing. Can I talk to you about it? Step in together. It's encouragement, right? And then I thought it was interesting with the video we watched this morning, the encouragement to use writing to encourage. Isn't it amazing that writing is a bit of a lost art? I mean, even our emails have kind of become glorified texts sometimes. And, um, but, but it's really meaningful, whether you write through a thoughtful email, or maybe you even you know, get out an actual pen and paper and drop something in the mail or pass a card to somebody. Use that. And for some of you who are very intimidated by the direct conversation, writing may be a great tool for you to encourage someone else. 1 Peter 4 says it this way, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. But speak before it's too late. Listen to Hebrews. Not neglecting meeting together, but encouraging each other, and so much the more as we see the day drawing near. You know there's a time where um, encouragement will not be necessary in the same way that it is now? There's a finish line. These are actually two pictures from the Boston Marathon. Uh, the one on the left is from the 2016 Boston Marathon with a runner who collapsed shortly before the finish line. Actually, notice you can see the guy in the bottom corner who's clearly crossing the finish line. Can you see that in that picture? So he's close. But there's a couple guys coming alongside him to help him make it across the finish line. The picture on the right is uh, Desi Linden. I don't know if any of you know of her. Um, she won the Boston Marathon this year, first time that an American... A woman has won it in a long, long time. And, uh, but at some point, right, if you were standing on the other side of the finish line cheering for Desi Linden to keep running, it would seem a little bit odd, wouldn't it? Like, come on, you can make it. She would say to you, what? I already made it. I'm already done. Right? In a way, as we encourage, we're looking forward to the day of Christ. We're, we're holding up each other's arms and we're coming alongside each other along the race. But there's a finish line coming, whether when Jesus comes back or when your life ends. So we have this finite period of time. I've even reflected on my life. God moves you in life sometimes, doesn't he? 
So you actually have even smaller blocks of time. Some of you parents think about this, don't you? That your kids are already halfway to college and you're not sure how that happened. Or your kids are already in college or beyond. And it's always changing, but God has given us this opportunity in this moment to encourage each other. To be willing to say the hard words that need to be said. To to come alongside and have the conversations. To share God's truth when someone's down. We have this moment. And God's called us to use it. So, quite simply, I hope you've gotten this by now in our series on encouragement. It's time. God's called us to speak. No matter how shy or overwhelmed we are, God's called us into this moment together.